Hey everyone, welcome everybody to Hit Rewind. We're going to be discussing two thriller horror films from 1984 that are campy as fuck, and I love them. Um, I'm your host, Michael Kersey's on the other side. Hey, how's it going? Um, this, I almost decided to revive Trash Cinema based on our last episode, in the, and I hope you at least had fun, because he's incredibly, but I think there's something going on in the wind in 1984, because you look at these two movies, and Toxic Avenger, and clearly... Horror movies were on the whole pollution, what's kind of stuff doing to our environment message mixed in. Yeah, I actually enjoy both of them, so this is going to be a rare treat. Good. Um, <laughs> Mutant is one of the very first horror movies I've ever seen. Um, I saw it on television, though. That's how I was able to, Like, I would watch Monster Squad, Lost, Critters, Gremlins, stuff like that, kind of a warm-up. But my mom officially let me watch horror movies, but I had to watch them on television so that they're edited out all the gore. And so on 55, which eventually Super 55 Fox, um, they were one of those really low by package fucking garbage. And I love all of them. You want to know why I like Italian post-apocalyptic films, city horror, you know, that it's because that's what always aired. Charles Bronson was a regular date. That was like their grade A top of the line. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Mutant, uh, I believe I taped with Deadly Friend. And during the Halloween time, uh, Fridays and Saturday nights, this channel 55, at midnight until like 6 a.m., would air horror film to tape and record all. Oh, boy. I don't know how you're two and a half million dollars. I just don't. I feel like they're smuggling in there <laughs> for money because if you told me it was half a million, I would go, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you literally can see the boom mic shadow in, in a lot of scenes, so it's not oh. it, it's not super well. Did uh, you see the guy holding the hand window? You can literally see inside the glove holding a rod with a fake hand that burns. Uh, no, I didn't notice that one. Oh, it's gorgeous. And it's so obvious. They hold the camera in such an angle. I don't know. They did it in this way. You go straight down the sleeve, and they hold it for a while. <laughs> uh, this stars Wings Hauser, who we know we've discussed on Trash Cinema. He was in Vice Squad, um, and the crazy uh, pimp that goes hunting. What do you call it? A prostitute. Sorry, my brain went to. Um, the guy has the biggest fucking face I've ever on a leap. My God, and he—he's not a good actor, but he goes. He's like that gopher at level Nicholas Cage is famous for now. The guy's big. He—he's very to the rafters kind of actor. Yeah. Um. He's. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's that bad, honestly. Like I would see more movies with him. Oh no! I watch all of his movies. I love watching yeah. him, but he goes big. Um, but, uh, this is one of those movies where, I don't, Bo Hopkins apparently was a thing for a five-minute appearance in American Beauty a decade earlier, and somehow just segued that into a, a, the 80s is all him in a small sheriff role. And he looks like just a real down-home shit-kicker, and he's the only other name. Uh, which one was he? Was he the janitor? He's the sheriff. Uh, the, the sheriff, okay. And, uh, this is from a company called Film Ventures. This is the very last movie they ever released because the guy <laughs> who made it took all of his money and his mistress and disappeared. And no one has ever found him. Okay. Uh, so clearly a crime was committed. Yep. <laughs> he was in the middle of filming a movie called Grizzly 2, um, which finally, after, what, almost 30 years or 40 years, finally hit Blu-ray ladders. But it's finished. Okay, yeah, I'm glad that they rolled out the Blu-ray for that back that masterpiece. <laughs> um, but with this one, it's just these two brothers are going through the backwoods uh, on a road trip, and their car uh, gets into a ditch. It's fucked up because some hillbillies behind them decide to run them off the road, and they end up in this small town that has now infected by toxic waste. And they're not really zombies. They're not rage monsters. I guess 
toxic freaks? What would you say? Yeah, they did kind of explain that like it's some sort of disease or infection that happens that makes them crave blood. Yeah, I guess so. so they're not I... dead. They don't die and come back to life, but they're slowly infected and it takes over. It's kind of like rabies. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know why this is the shit out of me. There's some stuff in there that's tricky for a low budget. And I, think... the, I mean, the visual effects of like their the faces like bubbling. I mean, yeah. that, that was really good. I love bladder effects. Some people say they overuse them in the '80s. Whatever. I love them. Yes, they're done best in the Werewolf, uh, American Werewolf in London, and the Howling. But here. I, I just love watching them. You and uh, I think the most unnerving thing about this is that no one and you know his little brother gets taken out really quickly, but that's no big deal. But when they start wiping out the kids, holy fucking crap! <laughs> yeah, I was shocked because it played it up like the 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 teacher, the the leading woman is gonna like save the kid. That's always the big trope for uh, women in these kinds of movies is that they have some kind of subplot with a child. And they ha- and they always save the child in the end. That does not happen. The kid gets killed like immediately, uh, and she actually probably made it worse by making him run into a corner. Yeah. So <laughs> and just it was the, a good subversion. Yeah, and the climbing uh, over the ra- uh, the the stalls or whatever. I just thought that was really well done. I think that the the town being taken over and them running the streets, and get trapped in that that shed. Um, having to fend for themselves, and they use light, which at least I like some mythos, whatever the is. And I do like the fact that they said, oh, "Well, they have to have some sort of not necessarily like a, a weakness, but something that repel them." Well, I guess that's a weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another thing, another detail that I really liked about this one is it, it kind of combined um, a more realistic sort of uh, scary situation with a more supernatural one in the beginning when the brother. When the two brothers are hanging out in the the, the the inn or whatever, I guess you would call it. I don't know. They're just in some old lady's house uh, sharing a room, I guess. Um, and the brother is like, oh, fuck. Remember when we uh, saw that bomb and he looked infected and then we came back and he looked fine? Like, something's really weird about that. We should look into it. And then the brother, very rightly, is like, hell no. I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding me? Like, these rednecks out here are going to... We already got our ass kicked, like, twice by these guys. So it, like, has a very good real reason, or, like, real-world reason why not to go out. Just just try to escape is, like, the main focus. Yeah. It, so well, I, I like that it kind of has both. Like, usually it's like, oh, there's a semi-horror scenario happening that someone wants to investigate, and then people just do it. Or they're like, no, we can't because of this spooky ethereal reason like they have a, they actually have a real reason to just ignore it and go home yeah and it does have atmosphere i'll say this a lot of the zombie movies of this era especially the italian ones kind of ditch atmosphere they give kind of spooky vibe whereas um and no knock on george romero whatsoever that's not what i'm saying but he liked it stark in your face during the daytime there is no safe but it also, I feel like there's not a lot of more Atmos dead movies. Really? I don't, I never, I mean, of course I've only done once. I've seen me like 50 times. Why? <laughs> Why? I even own this on Blu-ray, guys. I bought a very expensive, um, at, well, actually, I bought it for, like, to me, expensive is 25 bucks. But I guess now it's like really out of print and dollars. So, hey, it's, I like it, but I don't love it. I can eat dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a really know, I, could, I could talk about Romero's zombie movies all day. And we will. That's coming up yes. in 1985. This oh, is God. kind of the end run at 84. I think there's a couple more to go. Um, I want to After this, I want to do two movies that were kind of influenced by Hitchcock, uh, Cloak and Dagger and Body Double. Now, wildly different ones like PG-13, very R-rated. They're both mm-hmm. influenced by Hitchcock. Um, yes. 
But with this one, I thought it'd be kind of fun just to kind of, you know, discuss some of the next wave of zombie movies. I think we're moving away from, well, into mutants, I guess, is what you want to say, is what Chud, uh, this movie obviously called mutant. They're, they're kind of evolving what that kind of... Yeah, this uh, this is kind of an era where things sort of change to the creature feature, but it's more, it's like a, it's a man-made situation yeah. instead of... Um, movies like Street Trash and Ooh. things like that are going to become more prominent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That'll be coming in 87. Um, oh, hell. So, yes, this is obviously one of my favorites. I'm glad you liked it because this is the one of the two that I think we're going to be like, uh-uh. Yeah, I can, I can, it's really cheap. Uh, it's uh, really silly and it goes into, yeah, it's just silly. Like, okay, so the lady who runs the bar, the, the leading uh, actress, is like, bartender and teacher of this school well I mean, it's, it's a small, small town explain... maybe there's not a lot of money going around <laughs> exactly they explain it's a small town and everything but it's that's not the part that i'm weird that i think it was weird the weird thing is that she said all of the kids are sick and i was like hold on you're telling me an entire class of all are sick at the same time and you don't think that's weird yeah and that's that's that, oh. at that point i was like huh Okay, I can't remember for some reason what it was, but I made a joke about it recently on Twitter that the movie must have been uh, co-sponsored by some drug. Everywhere you go, there's a banner for this damn drug on the wall in that office. Oh, what was it? It's like Prilosec or something like that. And I was like, that's a little obvious to think. <laughs> but also in the bar, I forget that they had a huge sign for like Budweiser. And it's like, this movie must have been... How did this cost $2.5 million when it's clear that these two companies gave it to promote? That's weird. I, I don't know why a company want to produce who knows but you know it's it's also set in the backwoods with no real stars now what's weirding me out is that chud shot in new york city with actors at that time that had established themselves cost 1.2 million with see that's weird what yeah so it has to be some sort of money smuggling There's just no other way yeah okay now this picture is becoming more clear why he ran yeah like he clearly stole most of the money for that production and it's not a new thing i've heard of so many companies that pad what something costs or whatever and then get away with it but that's usually because it's not their own film company this guy produced his own films for film I mean, he owned film ventures international like the guys who ripped off warner brothers they produced movies under franchise pictures and then sold them whatever and just full moon did the same thing to paramount but how do you rip yourself off <laughs> It must have been like a co-owner yeah. company. I don't know, man. That's... Um, so Chud is uh, one of the very first pictures in the new world, uh, well, new relaunch of New World. Uh, a company had come in and purchased the company from um, the name, whatever, from Roger Corman. And so the first one was Angel, which was one of our first trash cinema collaborations. But I believe their second film is Chud. And I hear people talk shit about this nonstop. And I think it's fucking... I, I has, thought it was awesome. It has a lot on its mind beyond the monster. I Yeah, because I actually avoided the movie for a very long time because there was kind of this talk about it as being like berated or stupid or silly i was actually like really interested in what was yeah i have the arrow blu-ray if you really like this movie i'll grab the arrow blu-ray because it has an original cut which is much longer more coherent a lot of plot points and character stuff that's cut out and um I think beyond what it's trying to do with a monster, it's trying to tell, hey, you know, when New York was really crumbling, it was falling apart, trying, I think, to get the world to know, look, the homeless situation is completely fucked, what we're to them, and of course they put them in a supernatural way, like they're using experimentation, but how do we know this wasn't happening? Using homeless people, we see it still today, people film themselves running up to homeless people and beating it's fucking funny. Homeless people are people. They're not things to toy with or fuck with. Yeah, and that was the thing, too, that a lot, I think a lot of people 
forgot about or at least don't know about because you know new york has changed since then but um and this still might be the case again um but there are people who literally live underground yeah and there's like whole societies and a lot not a lot of people really know that and i think this movie kind of points that out and does kind of make and i i think the movie us talked about that i mean there's people living in like bunkers underground which i think was supposed to be like the uh, a parallel to real life but they didn't uh, kind of go all the way with it like I think this movie does yeah well I mean you see a little bit of this in the movie Mimic by Guillermo del Toro there's a whole world under New York City that we never yeah. talk about we're not just talking about where the subway is. you know just layers and then I think Seattle has like an underground little city but it's not the same way um, the fact it's it's it talks about a lot of the environment, about the people, the state of how uh, news manipulates. I think it's really great that one of your heroes is Daniel Stern, who just works like at this kitchen, feeds homeless people, and he tries uh, to figure out what's going on. But at the same time, you have the reporter played by John Hurd, and they come together in their story, and then they have help from a cop who is, they're all going up against these corrupt officials that are purposed to hide what they've done. I just think, I think, I think it's a really good movie. I'll shit on this. The sequel is not good. Um, it is a straight up comedy, and I don't know why they, it's called Bud the Chud. Um, and it destroys, there's no subtext, it's just straight horror comedy. But I think this is. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I, I like the aspect of having people of all different walks of life. Uh, working together to, uh, a corrupt government, I think is an interesting story uh, to go with. It's not just like one person, it's everyone collectively, their resources, finding out different things and it together. I yeah. think it's really interesting. And if I remember correctly, this was a project put together, uh, Douglas is a director, and they all worked at this theater group. John Hurd, Daniel Stern, John Goodman, um, Jay Thomas, and a bunch of other people in this movie all were in a theater group, and they thought it would be fun to come together to make a movie you know, for a much lower budget than what you know, like a studio could with a message. And I believe it also helped raise money for uh, their theater group, the charities. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, it's all good. I don't... Yeah, people stop shitting on this movie. It's fantastic. The, I mean, uh, like, if you're if you're worried about the whole like the the chuds themselves, they're like very sparingly. You mostly see the effects they have, not what they look like, because they can look a little silly. Um, but it's done very very well. Like the whole sequence of them watching on camcorder, uh, the the team that's under that's you know in the in the tunnels looking for them uh -huh. is done so so well. It's kind of it's like found footage before found footage. Uh, horror do you think they should have kept where zombie looked like the way it wasn't or do you like the giant kind of evolved halfway through? uh no i wasn't against it i i didn't yeah i i would mostly just say kind of milk toast on it I, honestly you didn't even need to see the creep all to for it to work yeah the uh well, i was listening to the commentary years ago and um, Daniel Stern said that he would have preferred that they had stuck more to just a regular kind of zombie look. But I think there's some fun in that creature because I've never seen like that creature. And it's very practical effects. You know, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think the scene where they're trying to get into the apartment uh, to our female protagonist is a really good scene. Yeah, where it's like the, the hippie-ish guy that works in the soup kitchen and the cop uh, basically breaking into the, roof, uh, the photographer's house and grabbing those photos. Yeah, it's a great sequence. I love those two characters together. There's like, there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of history there that they don't go into extensive flip-outs. A lot of it is just kind of, it's kind of like a movie about picking up this. Everyone has their own story and is broken inside. Yeah. And they all have to kind of get over that and work together in order to uh, save the day. 
Now, this has been referenced about a million times throughout pop culture, and because <laughs> Chud Babies <laughs> became a saying on, I believe, uh, The Daily Show. John Stewart thought it was really funny. He kept bringing up Chud Babies, but it's, they've been referenced still to this day. This movie that made $4 million 36 years or 37 years has been referenced in Simpsons, The Flash, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Clerks 2, Castle, Archer, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Rick and Morty. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's kind of unfortunate that it's used as a punchline when really the the the, the horror of what the creatures are is that they just represent. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate that that's how people think of it as, a, as like a punchline. Really, it, it does have a good message. and it's a really Well, I'm glad you liked both movies. And so our next episode will be uh, the Richard Franklin directed uh, Cloak and Dagger. It uh, basically, what if a video game had something in it that the government wanted and it got out of their hand get it back and uh richard franklin is the hitchcock protege he had just done psycho 2 and before that road game so i think you're going to enjoy this and oh, i'm really excited now. and i believe you've seen body double that's a brian de palma's uh pushing oh, dude have yeah. i seen body double fucking love oh, it yeah. i that's another one that's shit on all the time it might be my favorite of all of the oh really it, higher than scarface no i don't like i don't like scarface Oh, that's right. I remember we talked about I that. like Untouchables. Untouchables is good. I like the first Mission Impossible. But something about Scarface, a lot of it I because it was heralded so much. Every time I turned around, mm. some dude was like, uh, either their favorite movie is Boondock Stinks or, Star- or Scarface. <laughs> so it kind of turned me off. Um, but, uh, I mean, Body Heat is great. The Fury is great. Carrie is great. I don't know why Scarface just turned me off. It's right there in the middle. Like, eh. He even did a comedy um, with... Uh, was Danny DeVito and uh, Joe Piscopo, and I would call her called Wise Guys, which bombed horribly. I think that's even better than Scarface. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a weirdo guy. Um, but we're going to be testing the boundaries of what he could get into an R. He really wanted crossed over into X-rated, but a studio would really. Sadly, they forced him to. I mean, this is about as close straight up softcore pornography. Yeah, but it's a hell of a movie. Good lord, it's high trash, but I mean high quality trash. I absolutely riveting. So I cannot wait to discuss that next time. Wait, it's no. It's like it's like it's like the precursor to the Lars von Trier Nymphomaniac movie. I have it's, not seen like, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, he really pushed the boundaries of like what you can put in a movie and see rated R. Yes, I said so those, those like two movies. I said those two. I'm sorry. I told you off air. Uh, Demons Two would be next, and no, I have we have to do Body Double and Cloak and Dagger first, and then we'll do Demons. All right, because well, Demons eighty five. That's right. Yeah, because I was looking at that, I was like, huh, I wonder if that's just if the YouTube, uh, for the person who wrote it on YouTube just was incorrect or, or skipping. Nope, I screwed. I screwed up. Um, okay, cool. All right, so that is it. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. No, not that. What the fuck? It's no, been years. Hit rewind, dude. Hit rewind. Good lord. I need a. Ca- Could you just be my handler from now on? <laughs> you do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> I talk so fast that I trip over myself. It's embarrassing. All right, so that is it, everybody. Have a good, uh, good night, everyone. Retro Rock Entertainment. What the hell? Yeah.